Welcome to my so-called opera life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers, where we work to connect, inform, empower, and inspire musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Each episode, we'll explore a piece of the never-ending puzzle of the so-called opera life, humble brags and therapeutic complaints, as well as practical information about how this business works. Each piece helping you on your journey towards success, which we believe should really mean happiness. I'm Marcel. And I'm Elise. And we're two sopranos trying to live our best so-called opera lives. Hello everyone, Marcel here. In today's interview, we talk with baritone Matthew Maisano about the creative and fun ways that he has found to create online content in order to help to continue his career while we are socially distanced in this pandemic. Um, and namely, how to do that in a way um, that is financially sustainable um, and helps bring him some stability right now. However, at the time of the interview, the world was learning about the murder of George Floyd and protests were beginning around the world in support of Black Lives Matters. We still want to talk about online content creation, but we feel that it's very important to start this conversation first with an acknowledgement from us that Black Lives Matter, that we are committed to supporting Black, Indigenous, and people of color who have faced racism in every aspect of their life, and that we are committed to learning and listening and centering voices in our feed and on our podcast that have not been given an opportunity elsewhere. We also want to appropriately be a voice for change in our industry, which still continues to egregiously discriminate against people of color and people who are coming from low-income backgrounds. And so I want to start with a call to action. Can we as artists, whether as individuals or artistic institutions, can we commit to programming at least 50% of our music to be composed by Black, Indigenous, and people of color and or women in their coming seasons? The music is out there. These composers are out there. These librettists are out there. We're just not centering their voices and we're not looking hard enough. Even in my preliminary research, which I will share in a blog post to go with this episode, um, I've come across two incredible resources as just a place to start. Um, you can go to musicbyblackcomposers.org, and they have a Living Black Composers database that's quite extensive. I've also come across Marcus L.A. Garrett's Non-Idiomatic Choral Music of Black Composers database, which you should bring to your church music directors if you have a church job and ask them to make the same commitment. Another way that we can help is to pivot our online work, if you're already creating that content, to be benefit concerts. Intrinsically, what art is, is to be controversial. It's a way to expose people's hearts and minds to a perspective other than their own. It can be an incredibly powerful tool for education and to create awareness and to do advocate work. One of the ways to do this really effectively is to reach out to the organizations that you plan to donate to through the benefit. Oftentimes, they are able and willing to provide you with resources, handouts, etc., that speak to their mission so that you can provide those to your audience. Sometimes they're even open to having a speaker from their organization participate in the event in order to increase the impact 
of your event. They're also sometimes open to promoting the event to their own networks so that there's a bigger impact. If the organization that you plan to benefit is unable to provide any of that, do that homework on your own. Be able to speak clearly about their mission and why you want to support the work that they are doing. Our passion as humans and as artists is contagious and often inspires people who otherwise would have done nothing to get involved, whether that involvement is donating money, donating their time, sitting back and listening and allowing themselves to be educated and to start having conversations with the people in their lives. To speak to the larger topic of creating online content, this has been a debate that's been going on in the opera world since the start of this pandemic. There tends to be people in two camps usually. One, the camp of, here's all my content for free, let's just put art out into the world. And then there's the the curmudgeon camp, as I like to call them, um, that think that it's a terrible idea to put any content on the internet, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, don't do it. Certainly, there's a middle ground to be found in, the, in this. I think that there's a way to balance having free content in order to start to begin to create audiences, um, but free content on a limited scale in order to people to draw in and to direct them to your paid content. Um, the Boston Camerata has done an interesting survey of their audience participation in online in concerts in order to inform their organization about what moving forward during coronavirus is going to look like for them. In their survey of their audience, they found that 89% of their audience has experienced online musical events. And of those, 87% of them said that it was a positive experience. Of all the people that they surveyed, 69% of them said that they were interested in online events. 27% said that they were maybe interested. So people are looking for ways to still view the arts, to enjoy the arts. Singing is not canceled, as my voice teacher Susan likes to say. Um, we just have to be more innovative about it, but also be thoughtful about it. The tool that the internet is for us, which was brought to my attention through the Soprano on the Verge blog, is that it's an incredible analytic tool. It allows us to put our business caps on as artists to take a look at what does our audience respond to. That data is priceless. We can tailor then the work that we do to not only speak to the things that we want to do as artists, but also to fulfill the things that our audiences are looking for. There are a number of platforms out there um, that allow you to monetize your concerts through them. I've done a number of concerts at this point with Group Muse, which is a national organization, um, and they are doing streaming concerts, and they allow you to monetize the concerts, as well as providing an MC in order to help the whole experience go well. Um, 360 of Opera has partnered, partnered with another organization called Online Music Guild. Um, there are a number of tools available to you in order to help to make the online concert experience feel a little more polished than just, I'm going to shoot a video with my iPhone. Um, StreamYard is a helpful one for streaming to Facebook and YouTube. Um, OBS is another platform that allows you to insert images and slides and work with different cameras if you want to get a little more technically complex with your setup. But I will also be linking to a couple of blogs. The podcast Entrepreneurship and Art has a remote musician's handbook PDF that goes through this entire process of talking about how do you determine your audience's needs? 
how do you find your really engaged fans and help them to help you get the word out, um, as well as how to navigate some of this technology on a basic level. There are so many tutorials on the internet. We're not going to rehash them all here, but we will in the blog post provide kind of a quick couple of links to get you started. There's also the Instagram account, The Beard and Lens, who also has a website. He made an incredible YouTube video about how to shoot an opera video with gear you already own. And then beyond that, you can then submit your con online concerts. There are plenty of organizations out there who are willing to spread the word to their audiences. They want to see this art form continue. Two that come to mind for me right away is Modern Singer magazine and 360 of Opera. Um, tag them in your posts about your concerts, and they want to help boost the signal. Some of the one important thing that I learned as I was doing my online concerts was re to remember that singing on camera is distinctly different than singing for an in-person audience. If anything, you need to be even more specific and intentional in your dramatic choices because the camera does not hide anything. If you mentally check out for half a second, it is apparent. This is honestly an opportunity for us to become better at our craft as actors and actresses. Like I said, we'll have a blog post up with a lot of these resources linked for you um, so that you can start to do your own work. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach us out and enjoy the interview with Matthew. parts of your career and the different facets of your performing. Yeah. Who is Matthew Mason? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so my background is mostly in opera, classical music. Uh, I went to Temple University in Philly for undergrad, uh, graduated with the bachelor's uh, vocal performance masters. I went to the Cleveland Institute of Music out in Ohio. And again, I got a, a, a master's in, in vocal performance. So, I mean, from earlier on, my, my goal was always to be a, a classical slash opera singer full time. That was, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the initial goal um, and still is to an extent, although I've definitely added some other aspects to my career over time. I also recently have been doing a lot of work in drag, which I am loving a lot. <laughs> so uh, yeah, opera, drag. Um, I also work part-time as a, as a library assistant in a public library to like live because I need money to live. And unfortunately, <laughs> those other two careers are extremely expensive and don't always um, provide the income that I need for basic um, essentials, unfortunately, but we all know how that is. Totally. Yeah, but I, I'm very grateful. I, I do really enjoy my library work and it's brought a lot of other opportunities into my life and has allowed me to use, you know, my uh, my performance yeah. in, in, in ways that I can, you know, incorporate all three, which has been cool. I've, yeah. I know that you've been doing the concerts through the library. Yes. I mean, the library is a great space for, you know, reaching out to the community, which you've done a great job of 
of doing. So mm-hmm. I know you did the drag um, storytelling at yes. the um, libraries, which was you went, so great. You went viral. <laughs> <laughs> I did. That was, that was a, I guess it was about like a year ago that that one happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, now this did uh, a story about uh, one of my story times that had uh, protesters um, and they interviewed me and they interviewed the the people that were out there <laughs> um, and yeah that has like almost two million views I think now yeah it's um, like crazy to me um, but yeah that's that that has brought me so much joy and fulfillment just to be able to share you know those yeah. messages of, of uh, diversity and acceptance and love and I feel very strong about sharing those and educating the next generation. I think it's amazing. And I know that you also have been doing the virtual concerts with the library too. Yes. So, and that's not in drag. So I just, I love that you just unapologetically do both parts of this yes. in your, in your career for yourself and for your, what you want to make your career in your life. So yes. like, how do you balance them? How do you market them? How do you portray them on your website? Mm-hmm. Um, or are they all just kind of pieces of the same whole? It's, I, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm still figuring it. I'm still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, on my, on my website, which I'm still working on because I'm such a procrastinator. Uh, it, it's my name, my given name, MatthewMizano.com. It's mostly me and my operatic career. And then I have a page, like a like one of the, you know, the tabs at the top says Belena Canto, and then that links to more um, about, you know, me as as my drag persona. Mm-hmm. Um, my, the biggest thing I use for Belena Canto is a Facebook page. Um, that's kind of like my drag website um, mm-hmm. where I, that I update the most. And it looks like you have a lot of engagement there too. People I do. Really, I do. really get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my Instagram is both um, as of now, because honestly, yeah, it's no. kind of all I can handle at this point. Just because right. I'm juggling a lot of a lot of things. Whether that'll change in the future, I'm not sure. But for now, for now, it's working. Yeah, I think it works, and it's clear. And everybody has to. It's it's a weird thing to think about because in any sense of it, like who you are and then who your singer are and then you like who you are as a, as a performer and then you have this additional performer and sometimes people have like a different side mm-hmm. hustle like and I, I think that you do a nice job of 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 tying it all together um mm-hmm. and yeah you can you're still figuring it out and and mm-hmm. you'll continue to grow that so yeah I mean Matthew is Belena Belena is Matthew to me they're one and the same it's just mm-hmm. another part of who I am and I'm not afraid to share that with the opera community I'm not afraid to share the opera with the drag community it's all part of me um and I do mix them yeah Um, well and historically they've kind of always been mixed you know with mm -hmm. with mezzo singing pants rolls and all sorts of things like that like that's it's part of our genre so I know it works well it's ironic how how much so it is especially especially in the past baroque time and and all of that, yeah. Um, and yeah, when, and when I first started, my very, very first drag gig was all opera that I did with Brenna at that, you know, that little. Uh, oh yeah, win win probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. When I first started out, I was I was doing those with her every month, and it was basically all opera and drag. So that's how that started, and little by little, I mean, I a lot of my gigs are at in like a club setting for drag. 
and opera doesn't necessarily lend itself to that environment. But I'm starting to try to do that more and more, um, especially now that stuff is moving online. I, I was part of this incredible festival called the Freaking Queer Festival, and it was an entire weekend, like telethon basically of all these incredible Philly-based queer artists. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to have a 30-minute set, and I basically did this entire variety show, and I incorporated, there's a lot of musical theater, there was a lot of pop, and then I also did, um, I did a music video of um, Tristes Après, which is an aria from uh, a Ramo opera, Castaray Palooks. Uh, oh. Yeah, and I mean, I, I put my subtitles in there um, on the video, and I, you know, I filmed this the whole thing I used out in the out in my in my hallway. My dad has like a I don't know what you call it. It's just like a giant chest that you put linens in, but it like looks like a coffin. So I like put all these candles on it, and I was all in black, and it was super dramatic. And I, I don't know it. people. I the comments people loved it. Yeah, um, they thought it was you know cool, interesting, different. Well, it's, and it's really different from you know kind of the standard drag performance of you know lip syncing to pop songs. Exactly. Did you? So how did you record that? So um, what I did for that entire, for that, my 30 minute uh, segment, I, so I recorded everything. I pre-recorded everything. I used my Zoom. So what I did was um, I had the, the backing track feed into my ear with a, you know, an earpiece. um, And then I recorded my vocals on my Zoom. I have a, uh, what is it h5 right now it's not the latest one but it's great quality mm-hmm. um, I originally had an h4 from years ago and just the increase in quality from the next update in that mm-hmm. device is just ex- exponential it's incredible and just for, for clarity's sake we're talking about the zoom microphone not zoom v yes meeting yes. room online yes <laughs> it's, a, it's not just a microphone it videos as well right no that's just oh. a microphone oh I thought it was they have microphone. they have some that do both Okay, um, gotcha. Okay, cool. I thought it was also a camera, so I'm glad I said that. Okay. So you, you can did, hook it up. And you, did you, I'm just curious, did you have wireless earpiece? I did not. So you had to, what did you do with your thing that, whatever it was connected to? I plugged it, I plugged the earpiece, the earpiece into my computer, um, played the backing track through that so I would hear it. And then. So um, you, you had limited range of motion then, right? I did. I okay, so, but, I, but I you're was struggling with that recently because I wanted to move all around the room, and I was like, "Wait, I have this freaking thing!" I right, know. right. So it's it sounds like you recorded your vocal tracks, and you had your separate track for the for the recording, and yes. then did you layered those all together? I layered them in, together in, in post production, even after exactly. the video. Okay, exactly. So I that's the next step I did was layer them together, created the entire audio track. Um, and then I lip sang to that while doing the video. Really smart. Um, I see. Okay. Yes, because I mean, it, what did you put it into? What um, what program? Uh, depending on what what I need to do, I use Audacity and GarageBand pretty interchangeably. Okay, um, cool. And those are both free, right? Those can't. can't. They are. Yeah. Well, I mean, GarageBand is free if you have a Mac. I, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I mean, you can't really use it. I don't think on any. Kind of it's not a piece yeah, of yeah. Uh, software so yeah, right. but yes it is free um i i find that for mixing garage band is easier 
like to splice things things together and layer on top um but i like audacity for like fixing like the actual audio audio quality i find that to be easier on audacity yeah. and i think there's more um options on audacity right. for that and i just like i like the interface of it for that better um like on on garage band it like look like if you want to fix you know the bass or the the treble or the compression it's like these like it, it looks like knobs knobs, knobs right. on like a I don't know what you would call it, like a mixing board or something. I'm still not that high tech, but um, it's like, yeah, it's like as if you were like turning a knob in real life. And totally. to me, that's, I mean, I guess if you're really visual, um, that could, you know, work for you. But I like to yeah. see the numbers and the scale. And right. Yeah. Did, right. did you take any, how have you been figuring all that out? Just like kind of playing around? Good for you. Playing around and, you, and YouTube tutorials. YouTube. I mean, there's so much out there where you can, Totally. You can basically figure it out yourself. And so you've been figuring this out like just since quarantine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I used both before for audition, audition for, you tapes. know, audition tapes. Right. But never, uh, you know, recording audio and then splicing it onto video. That's a that's a no no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Be, <laughs> uh, right. And at which you know, under understandably so. Um, right. But just yeah, recording like on your on your phone, it's okay audio, but it's but like when you're moving around and you're do and you know I to be and to be more be able to do more creative and artistic things with like creating a music video type thing or an artistic you know visual scape um, having being able to you know put the audio in later that that definitely frees you up to do more things um, and it sounds better yeah. and you know opera singers we're all about our our sound yes. <laughs> um, it also sounds great. <laughs> I mean, so one of the big questions that is being asked all over the internet right now is this like, is around all this virtual content and, you know, mm -hmm. is it meaningful? Do people want it? Will it replace live opera? You know, and God, certainly like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't think that virtual performances will ever replace live performance. I think like it's no. an interesting medium to experiment with and yeah. I've been having fun experimenting with it, but I'd love to hear you um speak to kind of like what you found like really challenging or really rewarding about the virtual performance versus live and kind of like what you found were the most important things to keep in mind as you're producing these things um, mm -hmm. because clearly it seems like you're getting some good audience feedbacks so like what's helped you make that possible so i think the pros learning this new technology which is like really cool and it's giving me this new outlet to be creative that I ne didn't necessarily um, engage with before um, and it's interesting because like when I was little me and my cousins always used to make like silly videos um, you know with a you know a film camera that we right. all used to have in the 90s or early right. 2000s um, and we, you know we would make make up stupid movies and have a blast and it's almost kind of reminding me of that um, yeah. and it's like being a kid again and like having that innocent, um, spark of creativity. Um, so that's been really fun. And in addition to using the auto software, I've been teaching myself how to use Final Cut Pro, which I, I bought when I bought my laptop, my new laptop, like two years ago. And I really didn't use it much until now. And now I'm using it like almost every day. Right. So wow. that's been really cool figuring out how to do that. Um, and it's basically like iMovie, but with a lot a lot more options yeah so learning how to do that um so yeah i mean you kind of have 
more freedom in a way to be creative. Right, because the um, box doesn't exist anymore. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, you can do multiple takes. You can play with camera angles. You know, you can splice in things. Like I did a whole entire uh, parody of uh, stupid, uh, stupid love where I was a potato and I it was like I want to be your spud um, I did, <laughs> yeah I did that I did that it was a it was a competition called uh, Miss Couch Potato so oh. I, I really I went I went with that theme quite early for that parody love it. Uh, and I had yeah I had to learn how to like I overlaid like a gown on the potato me like I used I used um like it's like a snapchat filter of you as a potato i use that but i overlaid a dress on top of that and i had to figure out how to make the dress move with me as the potato and it was it was just it's just interesting wow that's fun yeah yeah awesome you know i can be really silly really silly and really dramatic like to the nth degree now which is fun right really dig into your creativity and it sounds like, you know, it's interesting because you can, in this medium, you can really, really, in a, in a fine detail, curate the experience that your audience is going to have. Exactly. Which I think is really fascinating. Yes, yes. And also, like, a lot of times, you know, we can keep the lives up and people can go back and watch them where, you know, not necessarily everything live is recorded. Right, um, exactly. And it's more accessible to people who don't have the funds to go to live concerts too, which is nice. Right. So that's, you know, another, or people who maybe are, who have a disability and they can't, you know, physically be there either. That's really yeah. a nice thing um, for that, yeah. uh, that so population. What, yeah, so what um, platforms then, specifically have you tried so far I know that you um some of the festivals that you've been doing were probably using what you use whatever platform they use so you Mm -hmm. because you've done a lot of different types of um performances online your own and with the festivals and other Mm -hmm. outside companies could you tell us a little bit about some of those platform options that are out there um the majority of them have been on Facebook live I think that's where most of the traffic is for people our age and above. Some people are doing Instagram, and I think that's very popular with people younger than mm-hmm. us, our age and younger. I think on Instagram, you're a little more limited in what you can do. I think Instagram, it's even, I at least for myself, I feel like it's a little harder to break through the noise. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like the way that Facebook curates the um, people's feeds your Mm -hmm. fans who are like who have liked you are way more likely to see that you're doing something where I feel like Instagram is is a little harder yeah well yeah and Facebook is more um friendly to videos than Instagram I think the aesthetic too is just more conducive to Facebook like Instagram I feel like you want more quick and you want more like TikTok-esque things or you want more discussion um more natural like I'm just going live to talk about X, Y, Z and right, right, about right. this. Like it's, I don't know. To me, it's just a different feel. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and I know me? that, sorry. That's no, okay. So, I was just going to say like another consideration that people, a lot of people don't actually realize is that Instagram, I don't know if it's true when you're streaming live, but when they compress the video over to IGTV, it destroys the audio quality. 
like oh, it really? pairs it way back so that it's because they have a lot on the platform and it's an all visual medium mm. um so like in terms of preserving the quality of your the sound of your performance facebook doesn't do that that's um, good to know i did not know that <laughs> yeah um and then the the other the the only other one i've really used is zoom and we use that for the my drag queen story time with with my with my library at work uh, mostly for for security reasons so we could really make sure that we weren't getting like protesters in and them saying horrible things or like you know trying to put up signs and yeah who I've knows what our, else i've seen people hack opera uh performances really Zoom. right yeah, i was lisette lisette got uh hacked a couple oh. of times too like her master classes yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can get you, Zoom bombed. You, you, you can zoom, get zoom bombed, yeah. Um, <laughs> but luckily that did not happen. Luckily yeah. that did not happen with us. Um, yeah, because I mean, you can, we, you ha we had where you had to have a, a login and a password and we had, you know, you had to register and then we sent them the info an hour before. We didn't send it, you know, any earlier than that so that it couldn't, you know, potentially get passed around. Mm -hmm. We had the the comments turned off. I mean, it sucks because you, we, you know, ideally we'd want that interaction yeah. um, for, for a story that's, time like that. But that's the hardest thing just, is that you like security, but ha but then you want to talk to people. I know. I know. It, it sucks that in 2020 we still need that, but we do. Yep. So that's what we used with that. Okay. And I mean, I could talk about, there's other third party softwares that I've begun to use and that we'll be using in our thing on Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're doing a little, we, all three of us sing at a uh, Italian restaurant on Monday nights, uh, a couple times a month and we're, we're doing it. Well, at, when you hear this, it'll be over, but. <laughs> I'm excited about that. And we're using, what is it called? Stream StreamYard for yeah. this one. So um, StreamYard, if, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the one that allows you to stream to both YouTube and Facebook at the same time, right? I think you can. Yeah, you can. Because I remember when I was setting it up, you had the option to put that put that account in. But the the main point for us is just so we can have all of our, we can all be there on our screens. It's like a Zoom call, but for Facebook specifically okay and then you know i'll be able to highlight whoever is singing at that time and then their screen will pop up and then we'll all mute and then so on and so forth it's yeah. basically like being able to perform with other people i'm excited so so will i be on the camera the whole time <laughs> um i don't know we'll have to talk about it yeah okay do i don't know we'll, we'll talk about it <laughs> i don't know i mean uh, you're in charge i just have no idea i'm, I'm very excited to I'm, do i'm it, pretty you know? yeah i'm pretty sure i can just make it one person um yeah. but like i've seen other people use it where like i know um people have been some queens have been doing watch parties like there's this uh one show where they watch an episode of degrassi and then it's like you know the three of them on the side and they're like commenting and then degrassi's playing on like the big screen which you know not necessarily legal but it's so fun <laughs> honestly i feel like it it but it like gives you that experience of like sharing in yeah. the multimedia experience with your friends Watching like it gives yeah. thing with other people yeah like that's as close to the audience experience as we're getting as we're getting right true now. it's so, so true I'm really excited yeah and the other software uh is called obs studio and i mm -hmm. use that when i did i did a may the fourth be with you um show and yeah it was fun <laughs> um 
OBS Studio, it's it's basically it it the the result is the same as StreamYard, but you can do a lot more. You can put you can put like overlaid frames. You can have different texts running across you can put in imagery you can put in logos right. um you can change your cameras yes yes it's much more fine-tuned is it live um, is it live yeah yeah you can you can stream or you can create like a recorded program just to your local hard drive this is what i use for my group muses actually so that i could um like create graphics for like our when people entered the stream there was like a graphic that was like group muse here's the date here's the mm -hmm. repertoire show starting soon and then I had a different card that was on the screen for when we were at intermission then I could mute the mic and we were off camera yes even though we were in the same room taking a break it, it, it gives you it gives you the feel of like an like an episode of the news you know like you go for to different people and add in graphics and mm -hmm. yeah and that show was all pre-recorded material um so that's that's where I use that I I think with StreamYard like on Monday, one of our performers, he can't be there live, so he's sending me pre-recorded stuff. But I think for StreamYard, I have to share my screen and play it there. I don't, I can't like upload the file like you can on, yeah. on OBS. Right. StreamYard is definitely more limited, um, but it's way more user-friendly. Um, right, OBS, OBS kind of assumes a certain amount of knowledge yeah. of the tech. So Matt, when you do the, when you do those, um, like texts on the bottom and stuff, do you have to do that in advance? For OBS, you do. Okay, cool. Okay. I think, I think for StreamYard, you can do it there. Gotcha. Um, but like wondering. OBS, there's like a, there is a lot of steps for things. I think just because you have a lot more, um, control. In, yeah. Right. I just love, I love with OBS that you can queue things up. Yeah. So like I as the that. things like you, you, I sat down before my concert and was like, at this point, I want this to happen. And then this to happen. And then I just had to click same in the order that I wanted. And so like in the actual performance, I, I literally only had to, to click buttons. I didn't have same. to finagle five things at once. Same, same. Cool. Oh, and I, I'm sorry. I never addressed the cons. I just gave you pros, which, you know, it's good to learn about those, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree on this. The biggest one is not having that live audience. You're not, you, you're not able to, to feed, I don't want to say this sounds negative, but feed off their energy, but you do. It's you vampire, you. <laughs> <laughs> vampire, no. um, yeah. I mean, have, having that live audience it's just it's it's so much part of I don't know the vibe of it all and it just really helps it live really theater, helps live theater is is you're performing on the stage the way you would watch a video but the energy in the room like the shock factor and those other things like what happens is part of the performance. Oh, yeah. So you don't get that at all. Right. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. what this will right. do for opera is because if people don't go to the theater and experience it, like a lot of people don't, they don't get that, right? But mm -hmm. so this will invite other people into the conversation. And there's a lot of hype, like when you watch a video and like mm -hmm. it's really cool, you can mm -hmm. make comments and you feel like you're part of something. 
in the theater, you just have the energy. And then when you leave, like you talk about with whoever you were there with. Yeah. I feel like when I, yeah, whenever I, I, you know, I, I perform live and it's over, I'm like on cloud nine, but when I'm done doing a virtual thing, I, I feel very drained energy wise. And, right. and right because you're, you're not getting you're not yeah. getting feedback you're not you're not you're not able to receive that energy yeah. from from anywhere yeah. else. like you have to generate it for mm-hmm. yourself which i guess is how film actors feel. yeah that's true a, a lot of the they time they have to wait even longer <laughs> i know they have to wait for so them to right. get it. <laughs> behind the curtain with the opera dolls i'm jenny i'm anna and i'm christina and we're three new york city opera singers that created plush opera singing dolls in order to make opera tangible relevant and accessible to all especially kids we love opera you love opera but why don't our kids play some for them people we know these plots aren't always kid friendly our little mezzo carmen quote unquote the traveler and all the sopranos that die in the end whoops but let's be real this art form is super important and has inspired music and society throughout history. Check us out on theoperadolls.com or follow us at The Opera Dolls on Instagram. Hello, everyone. This is Jenny, one of the co-founders of The Opera Dolls, your marketing guru. I've got five organic ways that you can grow your Instagram right now. Let's get started. Step one, create a compelling profile. Think about your handle. Make sure that it is professional. Whether it is your first and last name, a relatable title, which could include your specific voice type like soprano or mezzo or countertenor, just be sure to avoid generic names. The idea is to capture the attention of anyone arriving to your profile so they can instantly know what you're about. You want to be memorable and to be able to be found in searches. It is also a good idea to add a bit of personality to your profile. People react positively to that kind of thing. Use emojis or indicate where you are from or where you are at right now. Or use hashtags that give an insight to your brand. Make it easy for followers to access your website. Use the link in bio or Linktree to help point your audience to other websites that you might be featured on or where they might find your music. Step 2. Produce quality content. Make sure that whatever you're posting is aligned with your brand, in style and in theme and in mood. Also, it is important to post quality photos. Use professional editing apps and use selfie lights if necessary, which can prove to be a good investment for other recordings. Alternate between light and dark photos for extra contrast that are more zoomed in and those that are more zoomed out. For businesses, be sure to use branded designs and use appealing quotes. Pick one color scheme and stick with it. Branding is all about consistency. Step three, interact with your followers and get to know who they are. It pays to be very engaged with your audience. Respond to comments, take polls, ask questions, get to know more about what they're interested in and what they would like to hear from you. Those questions can really mean a lot to people when they stop by your profile. Pro tip, be sure to use your stories to give your brand personality. The content can be unscripted or beautifully designed. Either way, use tags, stickers, creative text. The eye catches movement and sound is emotionally stimulating. So go ahead, use them all to enhance your message. Step four, there's actually a strategy to using hashtags. Use branded hashtags. These are ones that you've created to go along with your profile or your brand. Community hashtags are things like opera singers of Instagram or singfluencers. Go ahead and use those because other similar accounts will be able to find your profile. Another pro tip, follow hashtags that you are already using in your own posts or that other accounts in your niche are using. This will allow you to discover new accounts to follow and engage with more of your target audience. Be sure to engage with their content as well, which will increase visits to your page. It is always a good idea to schedule your posts when your audience is most active. This will increase engagement, especially within the 24 hours of posting your content. 
Who knows? You could be added to Instagram's top posts, and one specific hashtag could massively increase your engagement. Alternate your hashtags. Go ahead and use more or less hashtags per post. Step 5. Engage your fans. This is very important because you want all of your followers to like and share your posts. However, with the new changes to the algorithm, only 10% of your followers actually see your posts. Don't fret. This is okay. There is that great little feature next to the comment bubble where you can share the post to stories or another follower, which is exactly what you want people to do. Share quotes, unique photos, or in general, things that may be interesting to your audience. Also, use the tagging feature to prompt a share. This is the perfect time to be authentic and be real. Your audience will certainly appreciate that and come back for more. That's all I've got, folks. Thanks for listening. And now back to my so-called Opera Life podcast. So you're doing now, gonna about to do the Pittsburgh Festival Opera Online. I am. I am. I'm very, I feel very uh, lucky that they are, that they decided to, to, try it out yeah try it out basically I mean we're not we're not I was I was hired originally to be in um Mark Adamo's Lysistrata that that was going to be their uh young artist production but obviously they had to move that and the rest of their actual you know operas um to the next season um and we are still being um offered those roles if, if we want to come back which is really nice too um but they've moved to a format where our big thing is we're preparing for a scenes program and i'm so excited because i'm doing a lot of verity and i haven't really done much before and i love verity like that's kind of where i see my voice headed is that is that repertoire um so I'm super excited to dig into that <laughs> to be honest um and yeah everyone on the staff they seem super sweet and just so enthusiastic and excited about about it and so you know um gracious and you know flexible with with us and you know our schedules because you know, it's, it's crazy right now and everything's yeah. so, Art. so up in the air. Um, but, and they're, they're, so I, I'm, their concepts are really cool too. I don't know how much I can actually divulge, but it's right. not going to be like a standard, just, um, park and bark little scenes program. Yeah. Um, they, it's definitely going to be like a, a modern take on things. It's going to be more, television more like tiktok that's some of the influences that they were talking about nice. it's gonna it's gonna be interesting i'm i'm a little worried about doing um scenes without having the person in in the room i'm just i'm kind of curious how that's gonna happen yeah um, yeah right but totally. at the right. same time it's it's kind of exciting because i haven't done that yet most of my stuff is you know digitally has been all solo yeah. um, and i haven't had to deal with that that obstacle yet so it's it's going to be interesting to see how that happens yeah um for right. sure right what are they expecting from you time wise like time commitment wise would it be this because you know usually when you go to a festival in the summer it's like you're there and you're just there and just working mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now it's online so what are they what are they I mentioned mean, about that initially they gave us uh, a form to fill out saying how much time we could dedicate and that you know they understand that things are going to pop up and they're going to be as accommodating as possible. I think it's going to, you know, be a decent fair amount of time. We're supposed to be going from about 
June 8th to July 13th. So it's, it's about a month. Um, and we are still, we're getting, you know, we're getting lessons, we're getting coachings, master classes, which I'm super excited about, you know, and we're, and, and I, I didn't say this before, but we're, you know, we're still getting paid what, what we were offered, which is wonderful. I'm so yeah. happy that, that they're doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unlike some, unlike some paid some things who weren't even, you know, giving them money back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just like so glad. It, it makes me feel hopeful that to hear that there are companies out there that are just like really leaning mm-hmm. in to this opportunity to explore how opera can thrive yeah. on this new medium. You know, and like I said before, like it's not going to replace being in the theater, but I think like this is a really interesting opportunity for us to kind of take all of the expectations of the art form away and just have fun and see what we can do and see what kind of meaningful art we can make mm-hmm. still, you know, cause almost now more than ever, we need to be creating art, oh, yeah. you know? And like, we need, as artists, we're supposed to be controversial. And so like, what better way to do that than to be like, well, we're gonna take this acoustic art form and we're gonna put it online yep. <laughs> and see if we can make that resonate with an audience. Um, and I, I, I'm just like, I'm so excited to see how this can become an auxiliary to the art form even after we get out of quarantine. It's exciting. I'm I'm excited to hear how the festival goes and I'm excited for our opera night online. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for setting it up. My pleasure. I'm glad, I'm glad we could, we could do it. I miss it. I do. I miss it. I miss singing with other people. Like that's one of the things I miss a lot. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Thank you so much for for talking with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's been it's been so fun. <laughs> that was We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Matthew. Like Marcel said at the beginning of the episode, this interview was recorded at the very beginning of our learning of the murder of George Floyd, and protests were just beginning around our country. Since then, Marcel and I have been using our own voices and platforms to show support and solidarity for the Black Lives Matter movement. I want to say that Matthew was in full support of the delay of the release of this episode, as were our sponsors, the Opera Dolls and the Sparkle Twins. The Sparkle Twins is a Black-owned business led by two New York City sopranos. You can support them by ordering a mouth mask on their website at www.sopranotwins.com or following them on Instagram at the Sparkle Twins. Their stock is running pretty low and they are also donating a lot of their mouth masks to hospitals in need. But if you wanna find out how to order one or support them, you can also email them at sparkletwins1 at gmail.com. The Opera Dolls have also been releasing content on their social media in support of Black Lives Matter and increased diversity and education, including things like how to teach diversity to children and other resources. You can visit their website at www.operadolls.com. I'd like to voice my own commitment to Marcel's earlier call to action for more diverse programming, including the representation of Black, Indigenous, and people of color, as well as females within my own concert programming. Marcel and I are also committed to letting these voices be heard on our podcast and are actively seeking ways to learn, support, and listen. Matthew, Marcel, and I, along with a few of our other colleagues, were scheduled to sing an online concert just a few days after this interview was recorded. I'm proud to say that because of my colleagues' thoughtfulness and concern, and honestly, bravery, 
we pivoted our repertoire and changed our concert to reflect our unified support of the Black Lives Matter movement, and we were able to donate $500 to the Black Lives Matter movement. A couple of things since then that have helped me learn and listen. First, the Opera is Racist Instagram account. This is a new Instagram account started on Blackout Tuesday and has already close to 10,000 followers. These stories are real accounts of racism in our industry, and to read them is uncomfortable, enlightening, frankly disgusting, and inspiring. I would encourage you to follow them at Opera is Racist on Instagram, and if you have a story you'd like to share, you can direct message them on Instagram or email them at racisminopera at gmail.com. These stories are completely anonymous unless otherwise requested. Secondly, the female ensemble Women on the Verge started a webinar series recently called Educating the Future Singer Post-COVID-19. Their most recent webinar was called Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Representation Part 1, which was held on June 19th. These webinars are completely free to join. I have listened to the two they have held so far and they have been amazing. To give you a brief background, Women on the Verge is a trio of women, American soprano Emily Martin, Canadian soprano Elizabeth McDonald, and Canadian pianist Catherine Tremills, taking on the incredibly difficult but important task of starting conversations that we so desperately need in our industry. Their most recent webinar included a panel of Black, Indigenous, and people of color discussing current realities and challenges for them and their students in our industry. It gave me a ton of insight, thoughts, and actionable ways to move forward. You can listen to these webinars and find out more at www.womenontheverge.ca slash webinar series. Part two of the webinar series, Educating the Future Singer Post-COVID-19, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Representation will be held on July 10th from 10.30 to 12 p.m. Eastern Time. What stuck out to me from this webinar, and what I am committed to doing from here forward, is to be present. One of the panelists, Fred Peterbark, said, Without presence, there can be no change. You'll notice that my social media personally has been quite silent recently. I've been unsure what to say, whether it would be right or wrong, how it would be interpreted, and how it would do any good. But the words I received was to be present, to get rid of fear, to change what mainstream is, to learn about other cultures, to be open, to be vulnerable, and to be present. I will leave you with a quote that Fred Peterbark read aloud at the end of the webinar. This quote is from Edward Everett Hale. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Thanks for listening. If you have comments, questions, concerns, or ideas, please email us at info at mysocalledoperalife.com. You can find us on Facebook at My So Called Opera Life and Instagram at MSCOL Podcast.